0: Our refuge and our strength, an ever-present help in trouble. The earth be renewed, Hi, and welcome to Journey Through the Word, a podcast that takes us through the scriptures, one book and one message at a time. I'm Jeff Gilbert, and I'll be your guide through the Bible to help you better understand God's Word, what He wants to teach us and more about his son, Jesus Christ. Sound of chapter 11, and this is a continuing story of Acts chapter 10, when Peter went for the first time to preach the word of God to the Gentiles. We should understand that it was a very difficult thing for Peter to do, And he wouldn't have done it unless God had impressed upon him in such a powerful way with a vision that repeated itself three times. And each time, Peter rejected the vision. The vision, as you recall, was a tarp that came down from heaven. And inside were unclean animals and the voice that said, take, kill, and eat. And each time Peter said, no, I can't eat anything unclean. I've never done that. And God said, or the voice spoke to him. We know it was from God. Said what, what I call clean, don't call thou unclean. So I'm sure. In the, immediately he didn't understand what was going on, but then at the same time, the uh, people from Cornelius' household were knocking at the door, and the Holy Spirit spoke to him and said, "Go down and you know listen to these men." So. Peter, in a a great moment in the church history, when the gospel was changing from Judaic culture into one that was going to reach out to the Gentiles, and remember that the church then and to this point was only with the Jews who followed strict Jewish laws, eating habits still, they met still in the synagogues at the temple, they um, followed Jewish tradition, they were, circumcision was very important to them. So to follow God meant that you had to be circumcised. And so God was going to change those things. And for the, the church that was about to grow and explode around the world, it had to leave this culture of Judaism. But it was really hard to do. And so in the beginning of chapter 11, we see that the group in in Judea, who, who are called the circumcision party, kind of like today we would have a political party, they were the circumcision party, you know. So they were just showing, this name just shows that they were really strict, you know, followers of Judaic customs and laws. And they heard that the word of God had been preached to the Gentiles. And they were upset, they were angry, and they criticized Peter. Because this was their faith, this was their religion, this was their experience. This had nothing to do with the Gentiles who were unclean. And they criticized him for going to talking to You went into the house of an unclean person. It was really terrible. So Peter had to explain to them what had actually taken place. You know, yeah, you ate with him. Imagine saying, you ate with unclean people. Now today we would never get away with such a thing. Of course, we wouldn't want to. So he was talking about his experience. He said, I was in Joppa, and I was praying, and I entered a trance, and I saw a vision, and a great sheet coming down from from heaven, and... He said, I observed that the animals were beasts of prey and prey and reptiles and birds of the air. And his voice said to me, No, rise, Peter, kill and eat. And I said, No, Lord, nothing common or unclean has ever come into my mouth. So Peter is showing that. I, I thought just like you did, guys. I, I would have said the same thing. I would never do that. But then, you know, he said, What God has made clean do not call uncommon. And it happened three times. The sheet was drawn into heaven. So he's replaying all of these facts to the Jews, because he had to make them understand that the Word of God was now going to be spread to the Gentile world. And he said, and then as I began to speak, the Holy Spirit fell on them, just like on us at the beginning. And I remember the Word of the Lord. I said, John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. If then God gave the same gift to them as he gave to us when we believed, Who was I that I could stand in God's way? So Peter's trying to rationalize what happened. I'm sure it was still shocking to him. But when they heard these things, they fell silent. You know, why? Because they were real believers. And when they heard a testimony of God's work, they recognized it as God's work. And they began to glorify God. So their attitude was completely changed from one of criticism and uh, maybe anger even against Peter Then they began to glorify God because of what God was doing. And they said this, Then to the Gentiles also, God has granted repentance that leads to life. In other words, he was bringing salvation to the Gentiles as well. So after that happens, we we skip forward a little bit and we begin to talk about the church in Antioch. Now this church in Antioch is north of Lebanon in Syria. It was one of the first real congregations uh, outside of judea and people had traveled there and travel actually traveled everywhere they had left israel because of the persecution that had started under you know with in paul's time before paul got converted and that persecution you know when stephen was martyred people began to flee and so it was actually a way to spread the gospel And they fled to several different areas around the Mediterranean. And here it says they traveled as far as Phoenicia. Now for us, we'd say, oh, Phoenicia, that's present-day Lebanon. So they didn't really go that far. It's just north of Israel. But in those days, that was quite far. You know, in those days, you grew up and you stayed where you grew up on your parents' property. And you farmed the land that your dad and your forefathers farmed. And here, this diaspora was taking place and had driven them into new lands in new cultures. So they went to Phoenicia, or Lebanon, and they went to Cyprus, out on the island there. And they went to Antioch. And Antioch is this city north of Lebanon, on the coast, in Syria. And they were only sharing the gospel with Jews. Those who were like themselves, had fled Judea, and were followers of Jesus, or were listening to the words that they preached to them about Jesus, And then there were some of them, men of Cyprus and Cyrene, and they came to Antioch and they spoke to the Hellenists, also preaching the Lord Jesus. The Hellenists, if we remember from before, were those Jews who were not living in Judea. They did not really follow Hebrew culture or practice, but they spoke Greek instead of Hebrew, and they followed the Greek culture instead of the Hebrew culture. So in the past, we could remember when the deacons were raised up, it was because the Hellenists who were being saved um, were complaining because their widows were not being taken care of. So the deacons were raised up in order to take care of the the material needs of the church, that early church. So there was really a divide between the two groups because their practices were so different. And remember that the the Jews in Judea and Jerusalem were really devout Jewish Christians who still followed a lot of tradition and practice so it was hard for them to maybe accept or agree so there's a division in the early church at least culturally speaking between the two groups and so the Hellenists were there in Antioch and the hand of the Lord was with these guys who came from Cyprus and Cyrene and preached to them in Antioch and a lot of them it says a great number Believe and turn to the Lord. That's the key. Boy, that's just what we want to see everywhere. If the Lord's working, then there are people turning and converting and following the Lord. In great numbers, they want to believe. And you know, the Lord does these works in unusual places and at odd times that we might not expect. He looks for people who have open hearts and those who are willing to preach and share the gospel with others. And sometimes it just takes off in certain areas. Other times it seems like a struggle. You know, you might preach in an area for months or years to get a convert. And in other places, it just seems to explode with growth. It's the right time. And God just does what he wants to do in the right moment with the right people who have open hearts. So as they began to grow, a report of this came to the ears of the church in Jerusalem. So the leaders in Jerusalem heard about what was going on. So they sent Barnabas to Antioch. So Barnabas was one really one of these uh, early faithful men that was really used by the, in the early church. And later on, he travels with Saul on some missionary journeys. And they send him to Antioch. And when he came, he saw the grace of God. And he was glad. And he exhorted them all to remain faithful to the Lord with steadfast purpose. So what does it mean that he saw the grace of God? You know, the grace of God, we say, is to uh, get those things from God that we really haven't earned or deserved. It's unmerited favor in the eyes of God. Salvation is by grace. You know, we can't do anything. We can't be good. We can't follow any certain amount of rules or laws or regulations that make God happy and give... Cause him to give us blessings in our lives. Grace means that God gives us these things of his own accord because he loves us. And it's just grace. And you know, when when Barnabas went there, he probably said, Wow, here's people that don't practice Hebrew traditions. They didn't come from our little churches in Jerusalem. God's doing a work with, with people coming here with a missionary word from other places than Jerusalem. And look at what God's doing. He saw what was taking place, you know? And I'll say, when you go into a place that God's working, what do you see? You see lots of people. You see excitement. You see a real love for the Lord. A desire to know more about Him and experience more about Him. And then you really see the people have a love and a kindness for each other. They treat each other differently because God's love is just filling them and overflowing their hearts. And he saw this and he said, wow, that's the grace of God. And we know it's from God because this doesn't happen in the world. You don't see this when you enter the workplace or the schools. You don't see uh, undying love and compassion for one another and putting others' needs first before your own and you don't see God working in the hearts of people there you see just the world so this is the grace of God performing it was really a wonderful thing to see and he was a good man it says he was full of the holy spirit and of faith and a great many people were added to the lord so Barnabas was there helping them and lots of people continued to be added to the lord so then i think i think probably Barnabas is remembering what about Saul Saul's off in Tarsus he's been alone for a while I'm going to go get that guy. He would be perfect. Why would Paul be so good? Because Paul was a cultured person. He spoke several languages, you know, and God was going to use him. We know because that's the prophecy that he gave when when Paul got saved. So he went there to Tarsus. Don't confuse Saul with Paul. It's the same person. He was Saul, and then later God changed his name and he became called Paul. So he said he went to Tarsus to, to look for Saul And when he found him, he brought him to Antioch. And for a whole year they met with the church and taught a great many people. In Antioch, the disciples were first called Christians. So Saul went with Barnabas back to Antioch, and they worked in the church there for a year together. I'm sure it was a a learning time for both, because we know that Saul had been set aside for a while, and he was hearing from the Lord, and the Lord was talking to him about his faith and what he was going to do with him. He began to show him things. And then he went and he shared those things with the church in Antioch. And I'm sure he learned from Barnabas, saying, no, this is what God's been doing in Judea, and this is how he operates, and these are the way, the way he wants us to do things. I'm sure it was a learning process for both of them. So he brought them there, and they taught, and this, there they were first called Christians. So this is a phrase common to us, but before that... They were just Jews who followed Jesus, but now they had a nickname, and that's called Christians. And Christians are people who follow Christ. It's not a particular denomination or religion. It's people who have accepted his salvation, and they believe, and it's accounted to life for them. They're saved, and they begin to follow Christ. Then you're a Christian. Now, in these days, prophets came down from Jerusalem to Antioch. So a prophet was one of the ministries that God shows later on. You know, in Ephesians, he talks about the five ministries, and one of them is a prophet. It doesn't mean that a man who's a prophet is only a prophet, but it means it's a man who's used to speak through prophecy to people. He could also be a good teacher. He could be a good pastor. He could be other things, but he's used as a prophet. And here's one. His name was Agabus. And in Antioch, he stood up, in those days, and said that there would be a great famine over all the world. And then in brackets it says, this took place in the days of Claudius. So he's given a prophecy to those people in Antioch, not a typical prophecy. I mean, this was really clear. There's a famine coming. And so, did that famine take place? Yes. If we look in the historical record, for example, um, Josephus, he was a famous historian in the early church, he wrote, uh, and I'll read it here, said, Herod, the brother of Agrippa, who had perished, was allowed to govern over Chalcis. He asked Claudius Caesar for control over the temple, along with the sacred treasury and the ability to choose high priests, and he was given all that he asked for. Around this time lived Queen Helena of Adiabini, along with her son Izates. They both began to follow the Jewish way, or became Christians. And they turned away from their past lifestyle. Her arrival was of great help to the masses in Jerusalem, for there was a famine in the land that overtook them, and many people died of starvation. So Josephus is writing about the famine that took place following that prophecy, and that it was serious enough that many people died of starvation. And he goes on to tell how, because of her wealth, she sent to give them relief Her son also sent money there to give them some relief as well. And finally, I would just say that in 11, chapter 11, we could say that the the real sign here that God is actively participating is that, you know, when they heard the prophecy, they acted. They believed, they had faith that it came from God, and they began to act on what God said. And it said that each man gave according to his own need. So there was no rules or regulations of their own accord. People donated and, and sent the money back to Judea so that the people could receive relief there. So could be a couple of things. Antioch probably had some wealth, and probably they weren't going to be affected by the famine, but it was going to be more in the area of Judea. So they sent the money and the wealth down there to give them assistance and give them relief. You know, this is the way God works in our lives. He changes us from a person who only thinks about ourselves, worried about material things. And when he works in our lives and he speaks to us, he generates things like compassion and generosity and love for others. And that's what we're seeing here in chapter 11. The Holy Spirit's being poured out. Grace is being given to the church. Many people are coming and helping or growing in the church. And then when God says there's a problem elsewhere, they respond to what the Lord says. We also should respond to what the Lord says to us. He says different things to us at different times in different ways. But it's important that when God speaks to us, it could be a quiet conviction in our heart, it could be a prophecy, like in these days, it could be a message preached. It could be something we read in the Bible, but however God speaks to us, we should be willing to apply those things to our life and respond to them, because this is really the Holy Spirit working in our life, speaking to us in some way, and us responding to what He has to say.